Welcome to the Stillhouse podcast, the show where we celebrate all things dark spirits. Whiskey, rum and cognac are sometimes misunderstood as drinks that can only be enjoyed by certain people on certain occasions, but this couldn't be further from the truth. So in this podcast, I'm delighted to meet some of the greatest minds in the world of spirits and cocktails to celebrate the magic of whiskey, rum and cognac. It doesn't matter if you're a complete beginner or a connoisseur. If you're interested in dark spirits, this show is for you. This is The Stillhouse Podcast, made in partnership with Edrington UK and me, Becky Paskin. Last week on the podcast, I spoke to Kirsten Jaron of London Essence and Nate Brown of Soda and Friends, where we discussed all season socials. In the episode, we deconstruct the myth that dark spirits are designed as a drink for the winter months and explore why they are sometimes forgotten as a great option to be enjoyed together with friends in the summer. It's a great episode, so make sure you check it out for some delicious summer cocktail inspiration. First impressions matter. It's true when we meet someone for the first time, when we're trying out a new Netflix series and also when we're introduced to a new drink. When it comes to dark spirits like whiskey, cognac or rum, some people's first experience is sometimes not as enjoyable as with other drinks. But why? The Stillhouse podcast is here to celebrate all things dark spirits, but we get it. Those of you who are newcomers might not know where to start or how to get the most out of your first experience. But the thing is, dark spirits needn't be intimidating at all. If you can be assured your first taste is going to be awesome and memorable, wouldn't you want to dive in right away? That's exactly what our first episode of The Stillhouse is out to explore. Why some of us are put off trying dark spirits for the first time and how you can make sure your first taste is as special and enjoyable as possible. I'm overjoyed with the brilliant guests I've got on the show this week. First, we have Andrea Montague. Andrea is the Head of Advocacy for Edrington UK and has over 15 years experience in the drinks industry, working for global brands, creating advocacy programs and education platforms. We're also joined by one of the world's leading spirits educators, Hannah Lanfear. Hannah is advocacy and content manager at Speciality Drinks, as well as founder of Spirit School, The Mixing Class. Quite frankly, what she doesn't know about drinks isn't worth knowing. Did you know 73% of female consumers don't purchase whiskey because they assume they won't like the taste? Well, here are two very knowledgeable women who know exactly how flavorful and enjoyable dark spirits can be. And I'm going to get their top tips for how you can also make your first taste extra special. Plus, they'll be giving their suggestions for some amazing whiskey, rum and cognac based cocktails. But before all that, let's get to know Andrea and Hannah a bit better. Enjoy. I'm Hannah Lamphere. Uh, I speak about booze mostly teach people about how spirits are made, production and whatnot. I'm thrilled to have you here, Hannah. My teacher got me through my uh, level three WSET. Yeah. Woo-hoo, best in the world. Andrea, <laughs> lovely to have you here too. Thank you so much. And again, very happy to be here with two wonderful women that I very much respect. So I am Andrea Montague, as you said. I'm the head of advocacy for Edgerton UK. So I look after all of the brand ambassadors and the advocacy programs and basically education within the industry. Now, I know we could probably talk forever at length about the world of booze and cocktails and bars, but really the topic we're going to dive deep into today is how people can really get into enjoying dark spirits for the very first time. Because I don't know about you, but it seems like one of the categories of spirits that's probably the most intimidating for newcomers. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I think there's this common perception that dark spirits are this digestive, something that you have after a big dinner or, or at the end of a long day. And I just feel that uh, it's a missed opportunity to enjoy them more frequently. And actually, once you get past that misconception, they're delicious. I definitely do think there's this perception of them being quite intimidating, that you had to be a much more serious drinker to enjoy them. They're not as flippant, and that's to do with a lot of the marketing around them. I feel like they are purposely put into a scenario where they, whereby they are deemed as strong and you need to know exactly what you're doing. And for me, if you were a consumer and you saw that and you see someone enjoying a gin tonic, there's no rules, there's no regime behind it. It's carefree and it's flippant and people have these wonderful like people running down stream and they've got a gin and tonic in their hand when they talk <laughs> about whiskey or dark spirits it's a very serious connotations that are put around it and it's just not the case <laughs> it, or it shouldn't be the case but unfortunately I think that's a lot to do with how they're marketed I think yeah exactly I've, I feel like in a way dark spirits kind of dug itself a little hole mm -hmm. uh, historically within marketing because it was you know put forward as this like luxurious aspirational drink particularly neat serves that people of a certain wealth and status would have in their own time reclining in their leather armchairs. Nowadays, people don't really tend to recline in their leather armchairs. <laughs> we, all, we all like to enjoy ourselves when we go out to a bar, but we don't think necessarily of dark spirits because it has this connotation of wealth and status and not necessarily fun or refreshment. Whereas, you know, in things like beer and gin and tonics kind of fill that, that hole. Yeah. So it's kind of a victim of its own success in a way. Yeah. From my perspective, it's double-edged as well because it's not only that people struggle to get into it, but those who do enjoy aged spirits often think that they are reserved for particular occasions and actually they can be enjoyed if that's your favourite spirit. Why not enjoy it more frequently? Let's talk about some of those obstacles because for people who are listening who may be considering getting into dark spirits a little bit more, people may have told them certain rules around how to drink <laughs> Whiskey in particular, but all dark spirits, I think, really fall into this category. So what are kind of some of the obstacles that they've probably faced? That they are these rules and regulations as to how you should enjoy. And people think that they're the custodian of this dark spirit and that they are doing you a favour by telling you how to enjoy it. And for me, this is bonkers. I wouldn't have someone tell me how spicy to eat my curry um, or, you know, how I enjoy my dinner or, and how rare to have my steak. I'm definitely not going to let you tell me how to enjoy my whiskey. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that leads to people having this real anxiety about how to drink and how to enjoy. And are they, you know, it's the status thing. Am I drinking it right? Am I calling it right? Am I, can I have it on the rocks? Can I have it with They don't want to be called out. They, they don't, don't want to be they, embarrassed. Yeah, they don't want to be exposed for not knowing about whiskey. But I mean, no one knows until you drink it. Because if you go to the distilleries, if you speak to the people that educate, not one of the, these people will tell you how you absolutely should drink this whiskey. Enjoy it however you want, really. Yeah. That's the message. There seems to be one of the biggest misconceptions that I, I see around whiskey or dark spirits in general is that they should always be drunk neat. And in doing so, people then have this perception of it being, I'm air quoting here, too strong when, you know, the most dark spirits actually do come in at around the same ABV as a gin or a vodka. But it still has this perception of being too strong. Why do you why do you think that is? I feel like, again, if you have a look at the advertisement, it's very rare that you'll see a dark spirit that is lengthened in any which way because of some reason people think that this will ruin what you're drinking. I think they're also depicted as being quite masculine and therefore quite strong, which 
absolutely upsets me because you build this painting, this picture in your mind before you've even taken a sip. And as you said, most dark spirits come in at exactly the same strength as a white spirit or a light spirit. But you've already built this image in your mind of it being you know the taste is too strong this is going to affect me more I might have more of a hungover and it's just not the case but it is almost this brainwashing that we've been having (laughs) as to why it could potentially be stronger yeah it's weird isn't it and I think with spirits as well the idea of too strong what's your perception is it the strength of the spirit because they are often around 40 or is it the strength of the flavor and in terms of strength of flavor I think we've seen these fashions and ebbs and flows throughout history of times where people sort of as a whole, generally moved away from that, like post-war and people enjoying things like vodka and the rise in the fashion of that. But actually, I think we're in a new day and age where people are embracing stronger flavours and people will drink a Negroni. Whereas when we started bartending, if someone ordered a Negroni at a bar, it was always a bartender, always. And now the general public enjoy that too. So I feel like maybe... It's just about giving people the option of trying more of these things. And you know I love Prince, right, Becky? And whenever I meet anyone that doesn't like Prince, my response in my mind is always, well, you've obviously not heard enough Prince then. And with Dark Spirits, it's the same thing. If you don't like it, I feel like you probably haven't had enough and you haven't found the one that sort of unlocks this voyage of discovery for you. One of the reasons why maybe again maybe people think that it's too strong is because there's this perception that you have to drink it neat that you can't mix Mm -hmm. it and I think one of the reason for that is partly around this perception of dark spirits being prohibitively expensive it's aspirational it's a sign of luxury and you have to really appreciate the quality and the time and the effort that's gone into it so how dare you mix particularly single malt whiskey do you think that's maybe part of the reason why people are afraid to mix it or think they have to drink it neat dark spirits inherently are a little bit more expensive. That's because they do take longer to age in barrels, in warehouses, and you can't just pull them off the still and bottle them. So there is that aspect of them being a little bit more expensive. Does this mean you can't mix them? Absolutely not. You're enjoying drinking the whiskey. And again, I can't hammer this home enough. However, which way you want to enjoy it. So yes, it's going to be more expensive. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. And it is because there are extra steps when you're making them that you do have to pay for. Is it worth it? Yes. Should you mix it? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you in some ways. And then I'm thinking right now of like how gin has had this huge explosion and you can walk into a supermarket and see a bottle of gin and it'd be more money than a really great single malt. And I've seen that countless times lately. So your point is true, but at the same time... I think people have become accustomed to drinking a bit better, drinking at home as well as in bars. But they're just slightly frightened of like, what would you do with a whiskey? It's so obvious how you use a gin. You're like, it goes with tonic. And if you want to explore beyond that, you've already got that kind of mixing credential there to explore. But oh, a whiskey highball is such a beautiful thing. A whiskey and ginger ale is such a beautiful thing. Gin and tonic doesn't go into the winter in the same way that a whiskey and ginger ale does, you know. So... I hope that we can break through that misconception. I want to just interject a little bit here. One of the obstacles that I have personally seen in my journey as a dark spirits lover is this idea that, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, as a woman, I couldn't possibly enjoy the flavour of dark spirits because it's too strong, too masculine, too manly. It's a man's drink. And as a woman, my feeble, soft palate could never 
cope with that. I find that ridiculous. However, apparently, according to research that was done by Edrington UK, three quarters of women don't purchase whiskey because they don't like the taste. I actually wonder whether that they don't like the taste because they've tried it before and don't like it or whether they have an idea in their mind that they probably won't like it. What are your thoughts on that? There's two prongs to this. Is that perception of maybe I won't like it. Do I have to drink it straight? First of all, is it a strong flavoured drink? And that, again, is that perception. If you have a look at advertisements throughout the years, it's always been marketed with men. And if there was a woman in the marketing, in the advertisement, it was buying the bottle of whiskey for her man. So we need to get rid of that. We need to throw that in the ocean. This is 2023. Get rid of it try whiskey but number two people that are passionate about whiskey at home often drink whiskey and they, they take their favorite whiskey and they're like try this and it's often something really big or overproof or very very smoky and very peaty because they love it because they're passionate and they give it to someone and then that's their first impression that's their first taste of whiskey or rum or cognac and they're like oh god this is they're not introducing them very well into the category i feel like if you enjoy dark spirits you're so passionate about them that perhaps the introduction that you give to someone isn't necessarily where the first step should be. That seems to go for, for anyone, regardless of gender as well. If you are the introducer to somebody of, of a new dark spirit, hey, you must try this. And maybe it's a big, I'm not generalising here, but it's a huge peaty whiskey. That person may be not into that kind of flavour. Or it's a really cast high strength, strength cask yeah. strength. Oh, you must try this. And it's going to blow their heads off. Or they neck it straight away. They shot it back without, oh, oh you know, slow down. Just consider it a little bit. Like have the proper introduction to sipping that spirit neat. It's overwhelming, male or female. If you're brand new to it, it's a lot to take in. I think I would add to that, you know, when are these opinions formed? Because sometimes you can try whiskey. Probably you're quite new to trying spirits at all. And you've had your first taste because you're exploring and you decide that you don't like it then and there. And I think most people that I ever speak to about whiskey will say that they had tried it out of their dad's spirit cabinet or their parents' spirit cabinet and had a big swig and decided then and there that they'd never try it again, you know. And actually your palate changes so much as you move through life and re-exploring something that you didn't like before suddenly it becomes much more interesting to you absolutely I in the same way the main thing that I get told is by someone who says they don't like whiskey like well I tried one once and I didn't like it like, okay but have you ever tried a wine that you didn't enjoy does that mean you would never drink wine again and then oh no well you're right we talk about whiskey in a way that there are so many different flavors available and styles and it's made in so many countries around the world from different grains there's so much to it there's a whiskey for everyone Whiskey in particular has always, as we spoke about, been marketed as a man's drink, a masculine drink. And for a lot of ladies who are maybe trying to get into this category, it can be intimidating enough on its own without having somebody explain to them that they shouldn't be drinking it because of their gender. What advice would you give to them to continue their journey and not be put off? Oh, get involved and take up space. You know, the idea that we need blue pens and pink pens for people or different razors, it's all just something that it's the past and we've got to move away from it, I think. And actually, it annoys me greatly that we're not always completely comfortable in spaces because of this gendered idea because actually women started brewing beer 
from the get-go, you know, ancient Mesopotamia, it was women that were brewing beer and selling beer and we had industry and that was something that women were doing and the same with whiskey. You look at the history of many of these brands and it's populated and peppered with women who saved the day at all times of these spirits being distilled. So I think get involved, take up space and don't let anyone talk down to you. That's really important. We're all just learning and if you stop treating this as a lifetime of discovery, then you're kind of arrogant and might as well just move on with your life on your own. I would also say that, just to further your point, women have been in whiskey from day dot. And it, and to, to date, I mean, there are so many female master blenders, master distillers. There were so many, historically, there are so many women that championed and saved the day through the whiskey. It is not exclusively for men. And unfortunately, history has a habit of getting rewritten or perhaps parts of history highlighted more so than others and I feel like in this day and age we're now kind of taking back that veil it's not that women have only just started liking it it's just we've only just started talking about it that's it I, I, you're totally right in a way for so long as well there was a huge period during the 1900s where women were completely written out of whiskey's history but going back to the early days of it being made in you know Ireland and Scotland the earliest manor houses in the States would have a small still on site and it was women who were running the kitchen. They were making the beer, they were making the food, they were doing the farm, they were milking the cows. They were also distilling. It was the women who were making the whiskey and it was women who were creating these wonderful flavours. But as it became a commodity, men started to take it on and push women to one side. And then the marketing all centred around that. So it's not that women have never been involved in whiskey at all. We've always been there. We just were written out for a while, but now we're taking it back. I totally agree with Hannah and Andrea here. With the amount of variety, flavour and experiences you can have with dark spirits, there's really something for everyone. Regardless of your gender, if you are tempted to begin your dark spirit journey, please do give it a try. There is so much to explore. This is just a quick reminder, you're listening to the Stillhouse podcast, made in partnership with Edrington UK and me, Becky Paskin. Coming up on The Still House, we discuss the different flavour combinations that work best with dark spirits and share our recommendations for our favourite, easy-drinking, beginner-friendly, yet unbelievably delicious cocktails. But first, I want to ask Hannah and Andrea how those of us who want to learn more about dark spirits can start our journey. Let's find out. Many of our listeners will be really keen to find out how they can start their dark spirits journey, get a little bit more into whiskey or rum. Maybe they tried one once and they weren't too keen. Where do they start? What's the advice you would have for somebody who's trying to kick off their journey? Exploring them in long drinks, smoky cokey, one of my favourites, things like that. But also with food as well. And I think enjoying spirits with the cheese board or after dinner, it is a good way of exploring them as your palate is already warmed up, you know. And I think any cocktail that you can make that is a classic recipe is going to work very well using aged spirits too. So for me, I'm going to take a completely different approach. And I would say a lot of the reason why people want to explore is is they need to find something for them and for me there's some really great subscription services so if you didn't want to invest straight away in a bottle there are things like our whiskey there's whiskey me there's master of malts online there's these wonderful subscription services whereby you can buy a dram or a couple of drams of a different whiskey Find the style that suits you. Find where you like, where you lie in this wonderful spectrum of whiskey. And then 
buy yourself a bottle to celebrate. Absolutely. Oh, and cocktail bars as well, or any kind of bar where people have got a good selection. It's a great way of trying several mm-hmm. different things, telling people what you like or don't like, and working from there. And mm-hmm. there's so many great bars. I mean, in London, but around the country as well. Mm-hmm. And there's almost always these regional whiskey clubs. So you type in your local area and whiskey club and you'll find something, I'm sure of it. Absolutely. With the R Whiskey Subscription Club, which I run, by the way, just throwing that out there, we really take the approach of breaking down whiskies into different flavour camps because it's so confusing, isn't it? There's so many different varieties, countries, styles, uh, different grains, different cask types. It's quite overwhelming, the amount of information. And particularly in Scotch whisky, a lot of these distilleries are difficult to pronounce. They're really long names. So it's quite difficult to keep track of what you've tasted and what you enjoyed and, and where you're going. So we break things down into flavour camps because if you see yourself veering more into say your sweet spicy kind of style of whiskey then you'll be able to find other whiskies that fit in with that kind of style as well but I think as you say Hannah going to a bar asking the bartender for those recommendations as well is really useful and then you can say to them oh I tried this whiskey I really enjoyed it or these are the flavor camps these are the styles that I really enjoy what else can you recommend and the other thing that I would suggest people do is write it down Put it in your notes app, grab a little notebook. And I know it sounds really geeky, but it's really difficult to stay on top of all of the whiskies that you've tried, all the different types of spirits you've tried. So write it down, take a photo of the bottle. So then you can go into your bar, show the bartender, I tried this, really liked it. What else would you recommend? It's a great way of navigating. What are your favourite kind of flavours that you think work really well with dark spirits? There's so many different flavours of soda now. We're so sport for choice. But if you were to select the kinds of flavours that really work well with dark spirits and bring out the best in them, what would you select? Aside from obviously ginger ale is, is a classic and Coca-Cola, of course. So I had a little jasmine and peach soda recently and that is now my absolute favourite. Whiskey with jasmine and peach soda. You can have so much fun playing with that, whether you're contrasting or bringing in a complementary flavour. And I feel that with uh, okayed spirits, you know, there's things like vanillin and eugenol that come from the cask maturation that work really well with things like cola because you're accenting these flavours and that ginger working well with the eugenols, the spices from the barrel. So it makes sense that certain things work. So cola and ginger ale are great go-tos and there's lots of local kinds as well you don't have to necessarily go for brands that are in every single supermarket almost everywhere's got someone making bubbly sugary water somewhere in the country brugal and roasted pineapple flavors that are in areas that perhaps grow together go together that's the old saying Mm -hmm. if it grows Mm. together the old adage so that for me is definitely a wonderful i finished for the week Cognac and tonic, actually. I have to do a shout out for that. Really delicious. Never saw it coming. No. So tasty. And for a long time, I don't know about you guys, but I'd already, always been told that a tonic is the one thing that doesn't go with cognac. But it does. It really does. Delicioso. I've not tried that. I think also there's maybe this perception as well that if you're adding soda to dark spirits, then it's going to be a very heavy, calorie intense drink whereas you know a lot of the new sodas that are coming out they're really considering the ingredients they're putting into the mixers they're lighter than maybe a lot of their predecessors so they're not really heavy on the calories and the sugar they're really highlighting the flavor itself which really enhances the spirit you're putting it with so if you look at you know compare and contrast say a gin and 
tonic, which tonic water does have a lot of sugar in it, compared to, say, a dark spirit with a lighter style of soda, it can still be a light option. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think a lot of us are thinking in that manner more and more as we go through life. And it's just as uh, health science changes and so on, we realise that sugar is definitely actually quite bad for us. And let's not lie, cocktails are often all about that dose of sugar that heightens all of the flavour in the drink but there are ways to move beyond that whether it's savoury cocktails or mixing with like you say more premium soft drinks that have got lower sugar content soda water you know it's a voyage of discovery I think there's also something to be said for subbing in a dark spirit into your favourite light spirit cocktail for those Negroni lovers among us as well you can sub in a bit of whiskey mm, have a lovely bit of, Radier, bit of rum Rum Negroni seems to be one that's so really growing good. at the moment. Kingston Negroni. Love that. What you were saying earlier, Hannah, about gin and tonics typically being a very summery type of drink. It's a nice refreshing one to drink in the sunshine. But something like whiskey and ginger is actually a drink you can enjoy all year round. And I think with dark spirits, it often gets lumped into being a drink that you would just have as a after dinner. It's a certain type of occasion. It's in the depths of winter on Christmas Day in front of a fireplace it's kind of fallen into this trap of being a drink that's only for certain occasions but what kind of occasions can you actually enjoy dark spirits in i love a grain whiskey highball on a hot summer's day perfect mint julep on a hot summer's day oh i'd also put a huge case for the entire caribbean drinks rum and it's very <laughs> hot there mm, <laughs> so if, you, if anyone tells you that you can't drink dark spirits in heat or in the summer I'd like you to look to the entire Caribbean and South America who all drink dark spirits when it's a lot hotter than it gets over here. So I feel like that's made that point moot. It isn't. It's just us re-educating ourselves as to when we mm -hmm. want to drink it. As Hannah said, I love a minchin. I love a whiskey highball. I love a whiskey soda. It is so refreshing and so yeah. crisp in the summer. Much more re refreshing for me than perhaps a gin and tonic. For someone who is embarking on their dark spirits journey for the very first time what are some of the tips and tricks that you have for them to really get the most out of rum whiskey or cognac whatever it is they're going for i would caution against cast strength spirits as a starting point i feel like while cast strength spirits can be incredibly aromatic and can be a fantastic textual experience. Quite often having spirits bottled at higher proofs means that they close up a little bit and they can be a bit ferocious distillers don't drink them that way they would dilute it and taste it so I think there's no harm and if you get something that you're not feeling quite comfortable with it as it is in the glass add some water or just ask for something different every time you have a misstep and you find something that you don't like now you've learned something about what you don't like so that you can find the thing that you do so I would say try try it as we said before a lot of people try whiskey and they tried one and it's not for them or they've tried a rum and it's too strong or it's sweet and it's you know, try it. There's such a variety. There is more variety in the dark spirits category than there is in most. So try it. And um, there are such wonderful ways. It's, it's enjoyable, responsibly drinking. Mm. Right. But drinking cocktails, we have so many cocktail bars. We have so many wonderful bars and pubs that have such an array. People want to experiment. I would also advise going to whiskey shows mm. whiskey shows rum shows cognac shows they're a wonderful way of experiencing different expressions yeah uh, speed dating isn't it, it so is like, speed dating. go and taste all it of the is. different things um, and like, okay i like that one and a good day out great day always out. a good day okay. out and because you're with like-minded people as well who are also there for the same reason 
Before we finish the episode, I want to ask you both for your recommendations on your tried and tested serve to introduce somebody to dark spirits for the first time. What's the crowd pleaser that's your go-to? A very iconic classic called a Mamie Taylor. And you take 50 mils of whiskey. You can play with that and choose whichever style you want. Um, Top it with ginger ale, lots and lots of ice. And a lemon twist. So just take a peeler, get some lemon skin and express those lovely citrus oils over the top. And it's so refreshing, so simple. And I'd almost rather drink that than anything that's more fussy, really. It's a lovely serve. For evening time, autumnal, winter, you name it. What about you? So I'm going to give you two recipes, the French martini, but with a dark spirit. So I'm going to tell you how to make that. 50 mils, really good dark spirit. At the moment, I'm loving it with either Courvoisier or Laphroaig. So 50 mils of that in a shaker or a jam jar, whatever you've got at home. I would say fresh pineapple juice is crucial. 80 to 100 mils of fresh pineapple juice and a couple of fresh raspberries in there. Shake it until you get a really nice foam delicious so that is my dark french martini but what what i'm currently drinking at the moment is called a gala and that is with courvoisier and i am obsessed with it so a gala 50 mils of courvoisier fever tree do an incredible sicilian lemonade so just a highball glass lots of ice 50 mils of courvoisier top it with sicilian lemonade a little orange slice maybe a lemon zest if you're feeling fancy it's so tasty and so refreshing love it how about you There are so many to choose from. I think an introductory cocktail for someone who's maybe a bit nervous about drinking dark spirits. And I'm going to play about a little bit with the amazing sodas that we now have available. This doesn't really have a name. Let's call it a Kranachan Highball because you have a really lovely light Speyside whiskey with some lovely honeyed notes in there just do a a nice healthy serve of that I'm not going to put a speck on how much you should put in the glass because it's up to you I would say 25 mil but if you want to put a bit more in there that's fine but just take it one step at a time if you want to increase it uh, maybe up to 30 or 40 mil that's up to you Uh, and then top it with rapscallion raspberry soda which is so delicious. Uh, A little twist of lemon in the top, plenty of ice, and it's super refreshing, really tasty. You've got those lovely honey multi notes from the whiskey with the raspberry. So it's like like drinking a dessert, really. Yummy. Delicious. I'm going to look out for that rapscallion soda. Hannah Lanfit and Andrea Montague, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having us. I feel like I've got a lot of homework to do. This has been fantastic. Lots of cocktails to go away and try. Yeah, I've had a smashing time. Thanks for having us. That's the end of our show for today. Something I hope you can take away from today's conversation is although first impressions can often define how you feel about something, they'll rarely give you the full picture. But with the right recommendations and guidance, you'll find something that matches your flavour palette perfectly and it can be a truly unforgettable experience. It's just all about finding an expression and a serve that works for you. Thank you so much to Hannah Lanfit and Andrea Montague for coming on the podcast today. Thank you all for listening. Join us next week on the Stillhouse podcast when I'll have Sam Wilson of Amethyst Drinks and Michael Bonsall of the Rosewood Hotel in the studio with me to discuss gift experiences. We'll be giving our top tips and ideas for dark spirits gift experiences to suit all budgets from intimate tastings through to Highland Castle getaways. We'll also discuss why experiences make the perfect gift if you're looking to move beyond the bottle and how you can give someone the perfect dark spirits gift experience at home. 
Just a few quick notes before we go. Make sure to follow the show so you get automatically notified about new episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the show on Instagram at The Stillhouse Podcast. If you would like to learn more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at Becky Paskin or at Our Whiskey. Data and knowledge shared in this podcast is built on insight from Edrington UK's 2025 Category Vision, a framework based on exclusive consumer research brought to you by the UK's leading dark spirits experts. This podcast is produced by Edrington UK in partnership with One Fine Play. The Edrington UK team has been led by Fiona Older with a project team of Catherine Barossa, DK Chung and Becca Flynn. From One Fine Play, James Bishop is the executive producer. Kajra Ferozia is the editor and producer. Connor Foley is the producer and researcher. Selena Christofides is the graphic designer. I've been your host, Becky Paskin, and this has been The Stillhouse Podcast. For more information on responsible drinking, please visit drinkaware.co.uk. Thank you.